So I, I don't know. I got, I fell asleep like at one in the morning, but then it was just one of those nights where like I just couldn't stay asleep for whatever reason. Just didn't work out. Hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I was like awake for the day starting at like six thirty this morning, like seven. Oh damn! So yeah, I, I took a nap. Luckily, so. I'm still like slightly groggy, but like, all right. <laughs> I took a nap too. I'm a little groggy as well. <laughs> this should work out for the whole energy thing we talked about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you were going to balance it out, but uh, let's just put all the cards on the table. Nah, with what I'm about to say about this movie, I'll even it out. I could I could work my fervor that I that I was feeling while watching it. Oh boy. Well, hello and welcome to Bro Mancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez. And my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch Rob Cobbs, and then record our conversations immediately afterward. Put them on the internet for your listening pleasure. I got lost in that one. Max, <laughs> how are you doing on this fine Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Just enjoying a sunny day. Although, with this damn polar vortex bullshit, it's like still only 50 degrees outside of Chicago. Yes. It's even colder in the Northeast right now, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Right. Mother Nature, man. It's just shitting all over our plans. I mean, first the pandemic. Was always, 2020 was always like a joke year. Like, you know, oh, you know, 2020 was like the futuristic year, especially like in the 90s. We're just like, oh, 2020 will have flying cars. Like that was always like the year that was like put out by people for things. Yeah, yeah we don't have shit. It was supposed to be like a landmark year for like, like forward thinking. And here we are in 2020 and it's been a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this year has mm-hmm. been nothing but bullshit. And I, it'll never, it's a year that will never be forgotten. That's for sure. But my God, this year's been a pain in the ass, and we're it's almost half we're oh, almost halfway done with it. It's like we we got here, and the universe was like, "All right, all right." So I've been thinking for the last twenty five years, instead of flying cars, how about a pandemic? <laughs> Haven't had one of those since the Spanish flu, you know, last yeah. at the beginning of the last decade. It's or been over a century, guys. I feel like it's time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. This is why we we drink. This is why we record a podcast. This is why we watch (laughs) rom-coms. Exactly. Watch it. Build our spirits, supposedly. And the one we watched this week to build our spirit is 13 going on 30. And Max... You chose this one. It's a it's a coming of age movie, so I don't know how the fuck it's supposed to lift our spirits because that shit is always just. Ah. 
<laughs> and I mean, if anyone, if the tens and tens of listeners are loyal, they remember the 10 things I hate about you episode and my thoughts on movies that go back to high school and school in general. Yeah. So, uh, Renee is going to shit all over this one. Um, <laughs> uh, this will be an interesting episode. Uh, I yeah. I did send you a text about 35 minutes into the movie and I'll go ahead and pull up my phone again and read it verbatim. <laughs> um, the text was, "I'm ha- well, it was about 40 minutes. It was, I said, I'm halfway through this movie, dot, dot, dot. I think it was when she had ice cream. She had just bought ice cream with petting dogs. I And I wrote to you, I'm halfway through this movie, dot, dot, dot. Be prepared because I'm going to shit all over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... This is an episode that uh, everyone, it's going to sound a little different. <laughs> I mean, because I, I don't know, though, because I did go off on 10 Things I Hate About You a little bit, and I did go off on Crazy Stupid Love a little bit. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, this one, this one's a special breed because i had never seen this movie. This is, this is yeah. going to be, this is more potent than 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> yes seriously oh jesus i better buckle up because yeah, 10 things i hate about you at least had like actors who were interesting to look at and like actors that you liked watching to act watching act are you kidding act. me jennifer garner is not interesting to look at i've never been attracted to her are you serious oh my god i'm serious I've always like i just i i get how generically just like in general people think she's pretty i get the whole you know everyone's attraction to her it's never been for me i personally am not a huge fan of square jaws mm. and her jaw is some of the squarest shit so like i just can't like i mean the, about the squarest jaw that i could go with is selma hayek and hers is not that square so <laughs> um and the selma hayek's top notch a1 I'd still, I'd give up my life right now for her <laughs> at this moment. Her and her. Well, I, I get moment, that. So. I get that then. If you're, yeah, I mean, but, if you're um, not into that kind of girl, then I, yeah, I, for some reason have always been attracted to the, to like more pronounced jaw and uh, the dimples, man. Oh my God. Her, her smile gets me like nothing else. I uh, love her smile. But I, I don't know her upper lip. I don't know why it's sticking out so far. Yeah, I was actually looking at that throughout the movie. Going, I is that is that natural? I want to uh, say just, she hasn't like, gotten like any sort of Botox, Botox or anything. They, but they're just we'll get into it. Um, let's I mean, go to the get into it now. Why do we need to postpone it? Let's we're because already we gotta talking talk about, about the, we're gotta talk about the stats of the movie first, homie. But we're so, talking about Jennifer, man. 13 Going on 30 was released as uh, Suddenly 30 in some countries, including Australia. Um, it's a 2004 Aman- American fantasy romantic comedy written by Josh Goldsmith and Kathy Yespa and directed by Gary Winnick. And it stars Jennifer Garner. Uh, it follows a 13-year-old girl who dreams of being popular. During her birthday party, she is humiliated by her classmates and wishes that she was 30 years old. 
when she eventually does emerge, she finds herself suddenly 30 years old and in 2004, uncertain of how she got there. Um, so, uh, the list of actors, Jennifer Garner, Mark Ruffalo, Judy Greer, and Andy Serkis gets. Is that her boss? That's the boss. Yes. Um, movie was released April 23rd of 2004. So around this time, uh, 16 years ago, this movie is 16 years old. Wow. Which that's crazy. It didn't. It didn't feel that old. Honestly. No, it didn't. It really didn't. It, like it felt like in the past, quote unquote. I mean, especially well, the eighties, obviously. Like, but like even the magazine part, other than a magazine, which you know will be talked about more and what happens after ever after. But other than the magazine part, it felt very present dayish. Um, yeah, it but, did. Yeah, how long is this movie, Max? Um, hundred and two minutes. Close, ninety-eight minutes. All right. So that's a good. It's a good length. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of quality in that ninety-eight <laughs> minutes, but it's a good length of time. Uh, and then the budget for the film is thirty-seven million dollars, which is, of course, how much it basically costs to film in New York. Uh, it seems. Um, yeah. How much did it make in the box office? Mm, $65 million. $96.5 million. So yeah. Just under three times its budget. So it's a solid profit. Um, I mean, a real, like a pretty good profit there. So, um, yeah, they're, you know, with, with movies, they wanted to at least try to make two times their budget. To be for a film to be considered, you know, successful when it's from a major studio. So anything over two times is, you know, money money in the pocket. So, and then uh, the other thing with this movie, which I don't get, is <laughs> it's a sixty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Sixty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean even for for someone who chose this movie, that's surprising to me. Yes. Um and that's a the, little that's a little higher. So they give this a 65% but the wedding date is a 14%. It's like 11, yeah. 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 I don't get the hell out of it. I don't get it. Um, or wait, so this is higher than a lot like love too? get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, Owen Gleiberman of entertainment weekly gave the film a very positive review with a grade of a minus. He wrote 13 going on 30 is the rare commercial comedy that leaves you entranced by what can happen only in the movies. And he praised Jennifer Garner's performance saying she cuts out all traces of adult consciousness of irony and flirtation and manipulation reducing herself to a keen goggle-eyed earnestness that's utterly beguiling. I agree with everything except the utterly beguiling part. Um, <laughs> I agree. Actually, you, you say there's not a, there's not a lot of good, good qualities to this movie. I, I actually liked her acting. I thought she did a great job as portraying like a, like a little girl in a, in a, in an adult situation. I thought she captured it very well. I was actually pleasantly surprised. I will go into that here shortly. Um, 
Wesley Morris, who I've mentioned is a film critic that I like and respect, he wrote for the Boston Globe that the movie is tailor-made for women who openly lust for dream houses, dream jobs, and dream hubbies. He also wrote that the best stuff involves the childhood preamble. The young actors playing Jenna, Matt, and Lucy are terrific. Those moments feel painfully comically true. Yeah, I can see that. I think he pretty much nailed it on the head there. So, um, but I don't know. Do we want to start? Let, let's get into the movie. Do we want to start with me? <laughs> or do we want to start with you? Well, I I think we should just like start going through the movie a little bit. Like we don't have to go, okay. you know, your opinion I, I versus my opinion. I like that. I like that. We can kind of roll through the movies this time. Like I, I like that. And so I'll start with this. I don't like fish out of water movies. Fish out of water, like, uh, like yeah, like a uh, small this... fish, big pond kind of feeling. No, no. What? What's fish out of water? Fish out of water is where like someone ends up in a time machine and is in a and is in a time that they're unfamiliar with and they have no idea what to do. Or, like, someone fell asleep on a plane and all of a sudden is in a completely different country and they don't know. Or someone, like... Yeah, like, the only fish-out-of-water movie that actually I liked was The Hangover. <laughs> that was done in a different way because of the whole blackout. Then they made two parts afterward that were not good. And they thus brought me back to fish-out-of-water movies. Suck. Um, I just don't like the whole... Oh my gosh, they don't know what to do. Oh my gosh, they don't know where they are. Oh my gosh, they don't get the customs. They don't get this time. Isn't it funny? I hate it. I hate that. I hate it. I hate it so much. And that's what this, like, basically the comedy of the first half of this movie is all about that. Why do you hate it? Like, what's so bad about it? for, For comedy, comedy is... It's about setting up your joke and then saying something unexpected for the punchline. Nothing about fish out of water is unexpected. Like, oh my gosh, someone from 1987 doesn't understand cell phones in 2004? Well, no fucking shit! Hmm. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing funny about that to me. Like, there's nothing unexpected about that. Yes, she's not supposed to know about cell phones. She has never seen a cell phone or heard of a cell phone. In her existence as a quote-unquote 13-year-old in a 30-year-old's body. Like, none of that is funny to me. That's well, just... I would argue that it's just a different kind of funny. You know, like, it, like it's... You You have to find you're not, unexpected ways. You're not, you're not always looking for the, you know, the 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 slapstick comedy. The, the unexpected, like, jolt thing that makes you laugh. You know, sometimes it's just it's just about, like, being pleasantly entertained you know it's it's not like super comical you're not slapping your knee falling out of your chair laughing kind of comical it's more of just like uh light-hearted and you know cute funny you know what i mean i just find it, I find it lazy like what's light-hearted and cute to me is obvious and lazy <laughs> like this like so i get people thinking it's light-hearted and cute and ha 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 yuck 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 for broad comedy but to me if it's just like if if i can see the joke coming it's not it's no longer a joke if i know like this is 
it's just laziness. Like I just, you know, it, it'd be, it's, it, it'd be a lot funnier if it was say like in, you know, if somehow she was from 97 and like ended up in 2000 or now let's say it's 17 years. So fucking, so yeah, let's say she was like 13 in 2003 and all of a sudden became 30 or so like, let, yeah, let's imagine us in 2003, like in high school or whatever. All of a sudden being transported to today. Yeah. And so myself, who at the time was using a brick green screened Nokia phone. Oh, yeah. Which only had Snake on it. Oh, God, I miss and Snake. I, and I pulled up the antenna in order to call my family because, you know, and, and granted they were, you know, fancier cell phones at the time. They were flip phones at the time. Yup. And now all of a sudden I can order an Uber off of my phone today. You can order Imagine. a whole meal delivered to your doorstep without moving. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's like, and while you wait, yeah, scroll through th- scroll through some images and news feed stories about your friends. Yeah. Do I need to... Should I call the pizza place? Uh, no, just use the app. You mean I could order something without talking to anyone? God, yeah. Anyone? When was the last time you called a place to order something? Uh, does, they, does everyone have cash to, to <laughs> you know, oh, to, pop, to fucking put in for this pizza that's on its way? Oh, I'll just Venmo you. Or cash app you. What's that you say? Wait, and how are we paying for it if we're not giving them cash? Oh, you just pay for it beforehand with your card. What about Wait, tip? Just, you know, you can include that beforehand. <laughs> and because there's a, there's a pandemic in now, now times, they'll leave it at your fucking door without even talking to you. <laughs> so You don't even have to interact with another human being ever if you don't want to. Like... That in and of itself is more effort in a joke of something that's unfamiliar than anything in this movie. What we just did. It well, maybe that's where it kind of gets lost in the the a little bit of the age because I feel like back in two thousand four, people watching it felt the same way we would have today if if we had been watching what you just described. You no, know, it's just they chose the wrong aspects of uh, like uh they chose the wrong aspects of things to like point out I, I, I like i feel like it was just the wrong decisions within the writing because mm. because like we're also looking at i mean there's the whole the voicemail thing when she calls her parents and they're on a cruise like voicemail yeah, that's that's you know not bad and everything else like that, but I I don't know. It's just everything seems so obvious, and I think it comes back also to Jennifer Garner's performance in the movie. So let's talk about that. Like you mentioned liking it, I yeah, I love this. So this was I I watched this. I think the last time I watched this was back in high school when it first came out. I haven't seen it since. Um, I remember thinking it was, it was lighthearted at the time, and and 
And I remember liking Jennifer Garner. And so now watching it as an adult, I dig it. I mean, I dig, I dig her performance. Like I, th- I thought she was, she was adorable. She plays like the, the teen, you know, the young teen, the coming of age teen that's, that's resurrected into adulthood too suddenly, you know, and I, I thought she did it perfectly. She was she was very believable as like a kid in an adult body, I thought. And I, I loved it. It was so cute and entertaining. And uh, that part, I think, redeemed it for me. Um, I would I would agree with that. I think that she made a choice to really play up the fact that she was 13 and inside of a 30-year-old's body. Mm-hmm. Like, she played that up. And as an actor... She performed it accurately, I feel. Like, that is exactly what a 13-year-old girl from the 80s would be looking like as far as with just, like, this innocent, like, confusion. Yeah. And and wonder throughout the whole thing. I completely understand that whole thing. I just found it grating. <laughs> like, it's it was the right decision. And it was the right choice as an actor, and it was done well, and I commend her performance. But watch, but for me and my aesthetics, it was not pleasing. Like I don't like watching thirteen year olds just being like, "Look at this, look at that, whoa!" <laughs> I, I, I'm uh, like, I just I can't deal with like teens being teens. I feel like if I'm going to watch something that's going to involve teens, it has to be against type. It has to be something like you know, something like super bad where it's just teens like talking like adults and cussing a whole bunch. And it's just like, obviously like teens don't talk like that really. Like they're not all teens are in like that. Some teens are, but you know, some teens aren't like that or like the, you know, South park can be a really hit and miss, but part of South parks whole, you know, the reason it gained popularity was because it was kids talking like adults and to, and acting like adults in us in some ways, and being against type and being unexpected that way, so therefore it became interesting to watch. I just can't handle kids, teens being kids, teens. It's just I'm not. I, I that's not me. I, I can't handle it. Like I just it's did not you, entertaining to me. Renee, did you have a rough teenhood? <laughs> no, I was. No, I was as a teen. I just didn't hang. I didn't hang out with others who were just like. You didn't hang out with other teens? Yeah, who were just stuck with, stuck, like, not being, not realizing what was ahead of them or what the world really is. Like, I just, I I learned at a young age what everything's really about, and I just had a different view of the world. And I found friends who also had that different view of the world. Well, look who's out of the curve. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, and I just don't have patience or time for those who are stuck behind. I just don't. It it'd be like in in high school where if I was like put in a freaking like normal pace class, where I'm supposed to be in like advanced placement. It's just like I'm gonna act out in class because I've already solved this math problem 20 minutes ago, and people are still fucking working on it. Like I'm not. I'm bored. This is boring to me. Well, I definitely understand that sense of impatience with. Uh, with yeah, other levels of maturity, but um, 
Yeah, yeah I that's, mean, that's, where... that's that's but that's teenhood. Like that's you're stupid. <laughs> like yeah, you, you, I, I just don't most have people pages. think they got it figured out, and they they just you know they don't. They their hormones are going. You got other priorities. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're growing up in your sheltered little reality. You're naive. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's that's what you're supposed to be at that age. But I I understand that, you know, you don't necessarily want to see that in a movie. Like Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, exactly. To you, I just, that's I, not entertainment. Yeah. It's frustrating. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That's just what it is. It's just like so I, I don't get that. Care. I get that. Okay. Yeah. That makes more mm-hmm. sense. Um so Let's move on to Mark Ruffalo's performance. What did you think of his performance in the movie? Actually, Mark Ruffalo was the reason I wanted to watch the movie again. Because I I love Mark Ruffalo. And I remembered loving him in this movie. And then I rewatched it. And he's not, he's not bad. He's Mark Ruffalo. And I love him. But yeah. he had a much smaller role than I remembered. And he just, I mean, he wasn't, I don't know. He wasn't as like, his role was too small. I remember him being so much more lovable and like a larger role and like easily the protagonist, like you want her to fall in love with him. They, you want them to end up together. Mm. And like, I still wanted that, but at the end of it, I was just like, okay, that's cool. Yay. That's cute. And then, like, the movie ended, and I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, so that's that's the thing. So much like with Jennifer Garner's performance where it's, like, technically it's done well. Technically it's performed well. Like, Mark Ruffalo does a technically great job in this film with mm-hmm. his performance. And I personally enjoyed the very beginning of his performance in this film because he obviously – like in that timeline, because that's another thing we'll talk about, but in that timeline, <laughs> he is extremely hurt by this person. This is someone he loved right. a long time ago. He finally got over her, and now she all of a sudden has reappeared in his fucking life. And he has to replay all those feelings of his first, you know, heartbreak. Right. Again. And you can just see the reticence on his face. You can just see how he doesn't really want to help her, but at the same time, it's but at the same time, the same feelings are kind of drawing him back in at the same. And then yeah. she forces him to do the Riverdarechi Arvar Arvar. Like I can't, I've never, I've never been able to say Arvar. Like peace, motherfucker. Later, but. <laughs> but like you should see it's spelled it's a-u-r-e-v-o-i-r i'm well aware and that's why i can't say it because i'm just like how do those make that sound yeah they don't they don't only in french <laughs> i mean i got love for the you know the the romantic languages but fuck it i don't come on there's um, romantic languages and then there's french <laughs> that's all i'll say uh, but yeah so that whole but then as the movie moves on 
you know, he, he goes away from that whole thing and then he falls into the feelings that he had as a 13 year old. And then he actually reverts to that 13 acting like a 13 year old in his adult body, kind of matching Jennifer Gardner's performance of acting like a 13 year old in her body. Cause that's the whole movie is that her 13 year old innocence in an adult is causing everyone around her to embrace their, you know, teenage innocence and kind of be happy again. And, you know, like view the world as if you were a teenager again and don't be so, you know, dark and closed off. Like that's the whole idea. And it kind of, and it affects him and his performance. And when he's telling her, like when he has the dream house for her, when she admits she loves him in his house before he's about to get married and he shows her the dream house and everything else, the way he performs that heartbreak scene is of a 13 year old in an adult's body. Like he's 13 years old telling her. Yep. And it's just like, and technically it's a good performance. I personally don't give a fuck about a 13 year old breaking up with another 13 year old. (laughs) (laughs) That's just what it is. Well, it's good. I get it's good. Those lines, I would, I would say, yeah, something that, the movie definitely could have expanded on was they, they definitely played up the 13 side, but I think they could have done a better job bridging it with the 30 year old. Like you could have to, to go along with your observation about the comedic aspect of, of how it was all set up. They could have definitely done something with like, expanded more on things like her realizing she, you know, things like she has boobs, you know, she's, she's realizing that, Oh my God, I have boobs all of a sudden. Like, I mean, they could have done a better job casting if they were trying to really play that up. I wasn't going to go there, but that. (laughs) I don't care. I'll say the features I love about Jennifer Garner. I mean, That's never been her. Like at the same time, it makes sense because you know at that point in in life, if you're like the kid actor was, if you're that flat at thirteen, you're probably not gonna go like. Well, I I I can't speak on women's puberty because I don't know. It, um, yeah, it hits. I would I would think it hits differently for the person, but but I, like they usually develop younger, like they're because they're taller at a younger age than yeah. boys, like. And all that sort of stuff. So it's like at 13, if you haven't developed anything and you're super flat, you're probably not going to develop much by the time you're an adult. And so like that, so I felt like the casting of the 13 year old Jenna and Jennifer Garner was a plus. Like the because the 13 year old Jenna looked like Jennifer. Garner. She did. She did. And, and so that the, casting was done really well. And the same with Lucy, the Lucy and the, Oh Greer yeah. They actually looked alike. Really, yeah. 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 Like as so, soon as she walked into the scene, I didn't even remember that was her. That was Judy mm-hmm. Greer. Mm-hmm. But as soon as she walked into the scene as a little girl, I was like, Oh, I wonder if she grows up into Judy Greer's Judy Greer's character. Well, like I, I didn't see it at the beginning. Like they had to actually like 
point it out in the yearbooks and stuff and then like point out like oh the nose job but then at the end when they go back to the 13 year old and then you see her and she looks like oh shit she looks exactly like judy grew that's yeah, insane I was, yeah. I was glad they they went back again yeah, at the end of the movie yeah, yeah. i'd forgotten all about that scene and i'm glad they did that because then you're able to see the characters again and compare them to their adult versions i thought that was great yeah we can we can talk about that shortly like with the going back um but what were we talking about my my whole point with the the playing up the 30 year old side a little bit yeah, more yeah, yeah. It, yes. like they, they could have expanded a little bit more on you know the i don't even know how to describe it i guess or how it would actually take form i guess it would be like they 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 created the 13-year-old side perfectly. They they encapsulated all of the awkwardness and the the hormonal emotional torture that goes with it. Like it it was perfect. It was it was exactly what a 13-year-old's life is like. Well, stereotypically mm-hmm. in a movie, of course. Um but they I feel like they could have done the same thing with being 30. Like 30 is such a like they didn't pick some random, you know, mid twenties age or mid thirties age. They picked thirty. Thirty is of a, a milestone for so many people. It, like especially in our society, thirty years old is like that's the one you either dread or crave. And so mm-hmm. to pick that year consciously and say, okay, she's going to be thirty years old, they could have ran with that a little bit more and just like had everyone around her be, you know, who's in, who's 30 years old to be like showing what it means to be 30 from an adult perspective while she's 30 from a teen's perspective. And they didn't mm-hmm. really do that. They were just like, okay, here's the 13 year old in an adult's world. Uh, it, it's because they didn't, pl- they didn't put a lot of credence to the seriousness of her shittiness as an adult before the 13-year-old Jenna joins. Like, the, yeah. Jenna, Jenna pre-Wishing Dust is a biatch, as they say at the end of the movie. <laughs> like, she's, <laughs> she's stealing ideas and firing people after stealing their ideas. She's sleeping with husbands of other co-workers. Uh, she's, uh, she's, like, she's sending the like same magazine like outlines to the competitor to get them to a certain amount of subs then she can become their editor-in-chief like that woman she doesn't talk to her parents at all like that woman is horrible and you just find out about it in these comedic little like these comedic little snippets like oh here comes the sleazy dude who's gonna try to bang her in the office and she kicks him in the balls ha 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 on to the next it's like no there's some fucking there's (laughs) that's some serious shit that's happening in and you're just using it for comedic effect and it's like if you're going to have something like this that's so outlandish of a 13 year old having wishing dust take her to being her 30 year old self then you can't put, put like that type of serious shit into it. 
Like well, you can't be that if, serious. If you do, or I would say you could, but you have to expand on it. That's that's the whole point that I'm driving at is that like they're if they're gonna do stuff like that, like expand on it. If that if that if you really want to send that off as your message for what being 30 years old in that stressful of a job situation and that lifestyle is really like, that's fine, but you need to expand on it a little bit. And that's not to say I need her whole mm-hmm. backstory because I like that they just drop little hints here and there. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, we were slowly told her backstory bit by bit and we got to piece mm-hmm. it together just like she was. I've mentioned that before in other movies. I like when they, we do that when it's, when it's mm-hmm. just enough that you can piece it together without too much work. Yes. When it's completely jumbled timeline, fuck that. It's stupid. Um, but when it's just enough like that and you piece it together, it's fine. But if you're going to throw larger elements, like, like what you're saying in there, that's fine too. Just expand on them. That's part of adulthood. Sometimes I guess, thankfully yeah. not for us, but yeah. you know, the, the complexity of the complexities of life is part of adulthood and you know, nothing yeah. is, is as simple as it is when you're 13, it's not cut and dry. It's not black and white. So that's great. I love that they want to show the juxtaposition of the two and how much different it life is when you grow up but they didn't expand on it at all. It's just thrown at you with these little bits and pieces. And it's like, but but, but, she's sleeping with someone. She never broke up with her boyfriend, the hockey player. Yeah. She never actually like ended things with the dude she was sleeping with the husband. She just kicked him in the balls. So we assume that's over, I guess. I don't know. I mean, if he's willing to show up at her office in the middle of the fucking day and expect sex, I doubt he's going to take a hint from getting kicked in the balls. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, anyway, that was, that was my biggest problem with the whole movie. Actually. Here's how I would have written it. So I was just thinking about this. You use her adult, uh, adulthood as uh, it's a wonderful life you know a Christmas Carol type situation and the setup is that when she's in waiting in the closet for the seven minutes in heaven and she put the dream house up she didn't put it up well enough and the shelf slightly slants and the dream house falls on her head as a 13 year old and during her concussion dream she transports to this 30-year-old existence. And then by the end of it, when she gets her fucking idea stolen and she loses Maddie at the wedding mm. and everything goes away, she wakes up from her concussion dream and realizes as a 13-year-old, she needs to no longer be trying to be in a part of the six the six chicks. She needs to no longer like try to be cool. She needs to just appreciate her life as is. And move on from there. And so they kind of that, but at the same time, I just feel like they should have just had the dream house fall on her head and make it more comedic. Like, cause you can make that comedic. I know. Yes. A concussion violence, 13 year old, not great, but you can make that comedic. If you're going to have a, a, like a premise like this, you can make a comedic 
dollhouse falling on a head concussion angle. And so that's the angle you go with. And then you use the whole adulthood as it's a wonderful life. And the whole lesson, the moral of the story is stop trying to be cool, especially as a teenager. Just fucking enjoy life. Yeah. And understand that there's more to life than trying to be cool. Well, more to life than trying to, to fit in with the crowd. Cause that she yeah. says that multiple times. Well, I don't, I don't want to be different. I don't want to be whatever. I just want to yeah. be cool. Yeah. I want to be liked. I want to be yeah. normal. So um, I've just, yeah, I mean, like who, who doesn't um, have thoughts like that as a kid, but <laughs> I but, literally feel like that if that, if that was the actual way that it was done, I would have a little more respect for this movie. So wizard, wizard of Oz is another one. <laughs> wizard yeah. of Oz effect. Yeah. If they just wizard of Oz affected this, then. Where she gets knocked out and goes into a dream yeah. and wakes up <laughs> wakes appreciating up. her life more. Yeah. Exactly. Like, so, except instead of the house falling on the Wicked Witch of the West, it falls on Jenna. <laughs> yeah. And the house falls on Jenna. Exactly. <laughs> We've solved the film. Boom. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what did you make of the ending? The ending, uh, when she, which part, like the where she wakes up in the closet again, and then and that all of a sudden it, grows up and marries Matt. Yeah, that basically she gets to quote unquote redo it because she, in the scene where she goes back and reconciles with her parents through two sentences and a Billy Joel song. <laughs> excellent song choice, though. I gotta say, <laughs> yeah, but still. The, that that scene like if you if you if you have not had that moment at some point growing up where you feel like everything you put your hand on just crumbles apart and everything you try is just a mistake and at the end of the day you're like all right i'm going to go crawl back to my parents now and they'll fix everything for me because my life is falling apart if you don't have some sort of moment like that at some point growing up, then you grew up wrong. <laughs> like you got everything handed to you and nothing, you didn't learn anything, but that's, that was such a, that part. And that, that scene with the, the music, the song choice was great. I liked that because it's part of growing up. But the ending was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was cute like, and hunky dory and great. I'm glad they ended up together, but it was rushed. It was weird. It was like, okay, so she just gets to redo it all over again and ends up with Matt. Cool. And then the movie is over. It's like, okay, that's weird, but all right. It makes sense because that's how the wish fulfillment movies, like, you know, when something, some magical thing happens, you revert back to the beginning. That's how these are written, you know? And like, I believe in liar, liar. That's like how it happens. Like he no longer, like he no longer can't lie again, but he chooses not to lie again. I think that's how that movie ends. Uh, <laughs> I saw I, it when I was like seven. I think um, you're right. I think that's how it is. But like any sort of film where it's like, I wish this would happen. And then it happens. And then there's a time where like it reverts back. Like let's, the fucking lightning strikes. Let's use Aladdin. 
Yeah, the three wishes. Aladdin is, are, is a good one. Yeah, I, I, I've that's even later for me. I haven't seen it since it first came out. So what? Yeah, last last year. So you know, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> no, but I really haven't seen it since it came out back in '93. I haven't. Uh, you know what? I have rewatched. I rewatched Rob Disney's Robin Hood last night, and that film is way fucking better than Thirty Going on Thirty. So there. <laughs> Wait the the like the one with the, the animals. Fox. Yeah, the animals. Oh, dude, I watched that recently too. Oh, that movie is so goddamn good. You can see my Instagram. Everyone, check out my Instagram story. Uh, although you won't, it won't. Okay, I'll save it. I'll save my Instagram story from last night. I posted while drinking tequila a bunch of posts, like about fifty of like a fifteen minute stretch of watching the film and just talking about how damn good it is. It's that so good. Film, is just standalone good regardless of animation and everything else. The animation's fantastic, but just in 1973, that they made a film of that quality that was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Just so damn good. It's just so damn good. Anyway, I I loved it. No, it, dude, Disney movies from that era were so fucking good. From the like, 70s, yeah, like the like. Yeah, like all the way up to like the early nineties, and then and then they kind of like sort of fallen off. They did, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, I would say Aladdin is actually one of the the last ones that I would consciously think of as really, really good. Yeah, I mean, well. and then after that, it started falling off. Well, I don't know. I guess Beauty I and mean, the Beast. Every, I think Lion, the Lion King was the apex, and so then after the Lion King, uh, then because like, but then do you count Pixar? But see, it mutated into that though. Yeah, because like it's yeah, a different it's, era. It's a different Toy era. Story, Toy Story solid. Yeah, no, no, no. There are so many good Disney movies after that. It's just like a different breed. But, but then, yeah, they're like yeah, you know, but like actual like Disney animated like through yeah. Uh, there's there's eras. There's there's levels to this. There's, yeah, there's levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. The eras. Anyway, anyway um, we're not reviewing a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, you can tell how great 13 Going on 30 was when we break out into a fucking Disney review over for two minutes. Or is movie. Disney just and, that good? Well, we literally have recorded for a little over 40 minutes and we've started talking about Disney movies. So, because <laughs> that's we've how run the conversation out of, goes. That's the, that's the tangents it, we. It's because we've run out of fucking things to say about Thursday Going on 30 because there's no goddamn substance to this movie. Which is no, why oh, no, no, no. There's still more. There's still more. Like, for example, let's talk about their relationship. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Don't sound too excited. I, like there was chemistry between Garner and and uh, Ruffalo. There, there's definite chemistry, which is nice, except for the whole fact that he's goddamn engaged. The yeah, that time. part really bothered me. And he's engaged the entire time, like, and he's the one getting close. He's the one making the first moves. He's the one who's like disappointed when his fucking fiance shows the fuck up to what? his apartment. It's like, dog, you're the one who's engaged. Like, you control all this. You're supposed to be the goddamn only protagonist in this film because everyone else technically is a shit human being. Like, everyone else is a shit human being with shit morals. You're the protagonist. And here you are cheating on your goddamn fiance with a girl that, you know, you liked when you were 13 and who technically is 13 in a 30-year-old's body. 
the fuck is going on in this timeline? I don't get this dark timeline that you're on. Yeah, that, but, that, that really but bothered actors, me. But as actors, they had chemistry. Yes. <laughs> well, Mark Ruffalo is, we've already talked about, is amazing. I Yes. I think Jennifer Garner is amazing. Um, I can't get over her dimples and her her smile. So the two of them together, like her her bubbly personality acting as a, you know, as a teenager and combined with, you know, Mark love, Mark Ruffalo's just lovable demeanor and kind and, and not shy, but you know, like you, you Mark Ruffalo, like, I don't know how else yeah. to describe it. It's Mark yeah. Ruffalo. Like, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, that's why I thought he was fantastic when they recasted the Hulk for the, all the Marvel movies and they casted him. I was like, Oh shit, this makes sense. Cause it's like Jekyll and Hyde situation where you got like the Hulk versus, Oh, the absolute antithesis of the Hulk is Mark Ruffalo. Yep. Yep. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and their, their chemistry is great. Like I, I, I thought it was decent for the situation. Um, yeah. Well, I, did you pick the, up on, on what role he played for her that, I I flash back to something you pointed out in another ep or yeah another episode I think it was yeah it was definitely another episode it was you labeled I'm trying to remember if it was an actual person now but whatever it was you said I think it was a person you were calling them the other person's anchor. Oh, yeah. We were talking about doing mushrooms. <laughs> it was at the 420 episode, which is back in our archives. Uh, oh, yeah. We were talking about how people would go to the country fair <laughs> in Eugene yes. and would do mushrooms for the first time and they would need an anchor. And then we used that to kind of correspond with just like just people in general were the anchors and what to keep them. I like know. that analogy more and more and more. Uh, since then because I, I I mentioned it in that episode but I love it as an analogy for relationships that mm-hmm. you know you're you're two different people you're going to be two different people you're going to have it's great if you find someone with commonalities and similarities and things like that but you're still at the end of the day two different people but as long as you complement each other and anchor each other and are able to bring each other back down to earth in your you know, most stressful or angry or sad or whatever situations. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. Like that's that's the that's the true partnership. So I I flashed on that in this movie, and it made me think every time he was like super chill and just like kind of entertaining her while she was trying to get her bearings. I was like, oh, he's her anchor. Yes. I I agree with that, and I feel like that's what made him so. As a viewer, that's why you like his his character yes. at times. Yeah, but and but at the same time, the way he's written as that anchor, that anchor is someone who knows better. They're wiser. That's why they're the anchor because they're helping guide her through something that she doesn't know. Then a so wise person shouldn't who- fucking kiss another girl when he's engaged. Exactly. Exactly. If you know better, then you should do better. The fuck you doing? 
so um, fucking true. So true. So along with that, let's go to the kiss of the movie. Uh, the kiss of the movie is on the swings. Uh, after they were walking by the bridge in the film. Um, and they fall in the sand after trying to jump far. Uh, I give it a C minus. Um, cause once again, there's some chemistry, but at the same time, the fall off of the jump is fake as fuck and stupid. Um, <laughs> and then they fall into each other's arms. It's just, the setup is horrible. And then the kiss is meh. And, but there's chemistry between, actually, no, I give it a D. Fuck it. I give it a D. It's not... <laughs> It's not like because technically their lips meeting was like okayish, but like I didn't even pay that close attention to the kiss. And after they kiss at like the when they get married in the alternate timeline, they go back to. Uh I was like, wait, wait, which one is the kiss? I was like, oh yeah, it's probably the well, Well, yeah, the the better one is at the end, but the the swing kiss is the kiss. You know what? I'm gonna retract my statement. The swing kiss is not the kiss. The kiss is. When they go back to be 13 years old and she kisses Matt after coming out of the closet from the seven minutes in heaven. Oh. Two teenage actors when they kiss. Now, they're teenage actors, so you can't hate on the fact that their lips just barely touching is the kiss. It's not a very, like, aesthetically pleasing, lip-smacking type kiss, but then again, they're fucking 13. I don't need to see them like trying to tongue each other right now. Right, right. It's more of a setup behind it and the feelings behind it. And I felt like that Matt, that 13-year-old Matt and that 13-year-old Jetta together were the best part of the movie. Like, just them two together by themselves hmm. were the best part of the movie. Ooh, and they okay. were not are not together very long because that was the preamble to everything that happened afterward. But when they're walking home, when they're eating Razzies with the Arrivederci Arrivar, or God damn, I can't not say that. Uh, and then, then when, and like, and the thing that made me laugh the most is when he's dancing to burning down the house at the, at, when she says to play music for the dancing. Oh yeah. Like burning down the house. See, that's an unexpected joke. Like that he's, like it, it makes sense that it's of that era, but that he's like dancing like that to that. Like it's like, oh, that's a good joke. Like that was actually a well written joke. But those actors were the my favorite part of them acting and then the actual kiss. So I would give that kiss a solid B. A solid B. Hmm. So you I'll give you that thirteen going on thirty. The two thirteen year olds kissing at the end of the movie gets a B. That's all you get from me. I like that take. I hadn't even thought about that. I just thought about it now. That makes and yeah, and then also how he makes a remark about how she knows what she's doing, and it's like, ha, that's funny because she just came back. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Like I said, there were uh, like to to give Renee's text some context here. Uh, <laughs> when he texted me that he was halfway through the movie and that you know, he was going to shit all over it. I responded with like, understandably, but then I, I, I said, you know, I remember thinking it was cute. That's how I would describe this movie. Like it's cute. That's it. That I'm going to leave it at that. And the kisses that the teen kiss at the end was cute. Like, yeah, I agree. I don't need anything more. They're fucking teenagers. Don't do anything more. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, for me, I think the the swing kiss is still the kiss because it's just it's where it is in the movie and it kind of like the whole setup to it. With that said, I would give it like a C, and that's being kind. Got it. Uh, yeah, for all the same reasons. It, it's just my my whole reason behind it was like it's it wasn't that good of a kiss, mm-hmm. which I I understand because like. She's still a 13-year-old, so, like, I, you know. And even, he's still engaged. Yeah, so he's going to kiss her like an adult, but but this is probably her first kiss. Yeah. You know, so, like, when you put it into that context, okay, okay. But he's engaged. Yeah. And like you said, he's making the first move. Yeah. And... Like I get, I get the whole like historical factor. Like you know, they have a history together, but that doesn't make it right. You know, you're still. What about his fiance's feelings? That's still another person and another person's livelihood. You're fucking with, mm-hmm. and you can't just throw all that to the wind just because the teen love of your life shows up and you you rekindle some romance on the swings. So mm-hmm. that 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 whole aspect just killed it for me because it was like, oh, this could have been such a cute moment where they like they rekindle who they really are. They find themselves again. They start remembering what it means to enjoy life, to throw caution to the wind and just be themselves in an adult world, because that's what all of us are trying to fucking do. But then you fucking ruin it with <laughs> With him yeah. being engaged. It could have been a cute sure. moment. Yeah, I agree. Let's jump into what may be the richest vein in the history of what happens after ever after. Ooh, okay, okay. They introduce, with the way they end this film, two timelines. There's the timeline that... I was going to ask you about movie. that. So, so you think... Yeah. Did it? Did she go back and create a new timeline, or did she get? Is this is this like a Wizard of Oz kind of thing where she just wakes up and does oh, it over? I told you how they had to set it up if it was going to be a Wizard of Oz thing. They didn't. So this is an actual timeline. There is a separate timeline. The Wishing Dust has created a separate timeline. Okay. So that separate timeline is. I mean, we're we're also running off of the the timeline des- description ex- or explanation that time moves and as Jeremy Barry. <laughs> all right, hang on, choking <laughs> on some wine. Uh, <laughs> so we're good. We we followed the good place and their explanation of time as Jeremy Barry. So Jeremy Barry. Jeremy Barry, baby. All right. Did you so, watch the finale season, by the way? Yes. You did? Did you? No. Yeah. You need to. Is it on? This, I, I was going to watch it, but then like I finally got around to watching the first episode and Hulu had already taken it off. I'm telling you, the finale season affected me as a human being. Oh, God. Really? Because the finale of season, what was it, three? The one before it? 
Yeah, when they when he has to go back, like oh she has to wipe. God. Him. Yeah, season four, it goes there. Like the way they wrote the actual series no. finale makes you question existence, and oh, in a in a beautiful way. In a oh my god, the good place, the good place. All right, the good place is the fucking shit. If you have not seen it, y'all, watch the good place. Is the whole Which, series on Hulu? Uh, I think it. It it might be, or they might have actually since it ended, they might have already put the fourth season on Netflix. Oh, maybe I don't know. I don't know, but <sighs> yeah, I know that the, at least the first three are still on there. Yeah, um, if we need to, I can give you illegal sites on how to watch it as well. That you know, but anyway, you mean you mean uh, you know less uh, less reputable sites? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> going back to this alternate timeline that they've created, this alternate timeline that they've created has Mark Ruffalo. It's actually the one thing I, I liked about this movie is that in this alternate timeline, things end as they should. Jenna gets her comeuppance for being a trash human being. You lose your, you basically you sabotage the magazine and now you lose the job to your arch rival. You've lost the man because you acted like shitty. You constantly had bad morals and now you're stuck with nothing, but this dream house on your parents stoop. I think she ends up moving back to long Island and having some random ass. Maybe she becomes a, I don't know why, but I feel like she becomes a botanist. She starts. She sells flowers on Long Island for the rest of her life. <laughs> I, I don't ask me why. What a random ass! <laughs> don't ask me why. That's just what she becomes. All right. I don't control what happens after ever after. That's just what happens after ever after. Okay. <laughs> Matt goes to Chicago with his now wife, the anchor woman, who then cheats on him while banging, and it's publicly seen because she bangs a coworker. In that newsroom that's all right across the street from the Chicago Theater, that <laughs> everyone <laughs> so people see it with their new fangled cell phone cameras. So I mean, it's still grainy footage because we're like 2006, 2007 at this time, but they still see it. So <laughs> they see it happening, and so the, he sees it through this, like you know, through this new fangled. Uh, uh, website called YouTube and, <laughs> and realizes, oh, he's been cheated on. But he, you know, he lives a nice existence as a photographer in Chicago because what better place is there to take pictures than goddamn Chicago? Goddamn right! Yeah. Anyway. I, I want to point out do you know how many rom coms we've watched so far that have Chicago somewhere in it? Like, I mean, about. They, that's about two thirds as many as those that have New York in it. Yeah. So yeah, it's because Chicago is a romantic as fuck place. You goddamn right. You damn right. Um, and then uh, Lucy, uh, now that she's the editor in chief, they realize, oh, that whole idea that we loved and brought her in with the class of 2004, that wasn't her idea. Her idea was a stupid one with like the fucking undead people. She loses her job within six months, and then the magazine that she takes over, Sparkle, closes within a year because everyone is transitioning to online. Fuck out of here. <laughs> Damn, son. That was. <laughs> 
<laughs> just cut that one off. Alex Carlson continues to be a bit player in the New York Rangers. He averages about 30 points a year. Uh, the Rangers still suck. They're basically Henrik Lundqvist and a bunch of players who are underachieving. He then ends up in Ottawa playing for the Senators for a couple more years and then retires and, you know, is up in Canada with some other chick calling her sweet bottom. Um, <laughs> while drinking a Molson. Oh, my uh, God. And- okay, hang on, <laughs> hang on. Pause for a second. I need to, like, I need an intermission to take this all in. Because this is this is rich. This is some good shit. I told you, it's the richest vein in the history of what happens after ever after. I'm listening. I had a very similar thought about Judy Greer's character, where I was just like, the whole time that she's getting like she's stealing the ideas and going over to Sparkle. I'm thinking, but if that were actually to happen in real life, and you were given that high of a position, mm-hmm. they would very quickly realize that you cannot perform to that level yeah well and that's the thing she didn't steal the ideas she wasn't creating the ideas she just took credit for all the bullshit stuff that jenna had done right so when jenna's not around anymore and you no longer have that resource yeah good luck coming up with that shit on your own yeah she literally stole the work that jenna had stolen and stole the credit for it. <laughs> like she stole credit for stolen work. This that's is that's not going to end well. This is why growing up, wanting to be cool and having that as your constant only priority can be so fucking toxic. Yeah. Because it forces you to have the wrong priorities out of life. I get it if teenhood is like that and you you want to do that, you want to fit in, that's fine, that's natural, that's part of growing up. But you also need to actually grow up. And get past that and realize mm-hmm. that, hey, it's not all about how I appear or what status I have in the world or, you know, what position I hold or how much money I make or whatever, who I, you know, what celebrity I'm dating, what athlete I'm dating, any of that. It's about what makes you happy. And you're not going to fucking, you're not going to be happy when you are not performing to the level that you have strived for because you're taking all the shortcuts to get there because all you care about is the end product. All you care about is the status. I need to be cool. I don't care how it happens. I just need it. That's fucking toxic. And that is that that's a that's trap the, we all can fall into. That's the point that this movie's trying to make, which is why critics gave it a 65% in Rotten Tomatoes. I just feel like they did not make that point myself <laughs> but i get I what you're saying bit. Your, i got it a little bit your point your point is completely valid it's a completely valid statement that you just said and everything like that you said is true and this film is trying to be like see and it's just like no i don't because you suck at it. <laughs> okay so we've um, got we've got um, timeline covered right the the last one on the timeline is that poise continues on it lasts longer than the sparkle and then a benefactor by the name of adriana huffington buys poise and makes it huff post thank you thank you uh bravo bravo let's let's go on to the verdict for the movie uh i'll just go ahead kill it kill it kill it with fire kill it with everything (laughs) this uh is my least favorite movie that we've watched really 
Yes. Worse than 10 Things I Hate About You. Worse than Crazy Stupid Love, because I at least have seen those multiple times. This one, I will not watch again. Um, I would fuck it. It's... <laughs> I'd fuck it. It's not... I mean, it's not the greatest. It's by no means. But it's worth, yeah. it's worth a watch. It's worth a watch. There you go, guys. So um, <laughs> we'll give our socials here uh, on Instagram, Bromancing the Stone Podcast. That's our show, Insta. On Twitter, it's Bro the Stone Pod. Uh, and then uh, myself on Instagram, it's uh, Relusa88. That's R E L U S A 88 for me. Once again, I'm going to save my uh, Robin Hood posts from last night in there so you can see those. Um, and then uh, my Twitter is Supermarket Sweep without the E in super. So S-U-P-R, Market Sweep. That is my Twitter handle. And then Max, you are on Instagram. My Instagram handle is the Lionhearted, T-H-E period L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. Perfect. And then uh, we're going to continue on in the world of New York and the world of buildings and things uh, in bosses and offices and everything else because next week we are finally going to watch set it up i promised you we're going to do it we're doing it set it up that'll be next week uh so get ready for that we're finally getting into the netflix rom-com renaissance we're going to talk about that we won't necessarily have a box office figure to actually talk about during the stats but we can talk a little bit about just you know netflix's uh you know, original content that they've started making recently and how that's kind of rejuvenated the like kitschy B movie, B rom-com movies that have started coming out. So we'll get into all that. Uh, but Max, any last words? Oh, actually. Yeah. Um, the one last thing I did notice, I don't know if it was intentional. I think it was, uh, but did you notice they're at the very end of the movie, their house. Uh-huh. The the pink it, house that they walk out. It was supposed to be like the dream house that he built here. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you for reminding me because it'll be my last thought in this film. I watched it with headphones and in my apartment, I literally laughed and said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so with that, everyone. <laughs> The whole movie is cheesy. It's supposed to be. It's a teen movie, but yeah, I did yeah. like. I I kind of liked what they were trying to do. I guess. Nope. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I liked that they were trying to show us that she she got what she really wanted, which was the simple life, which was like just being happy, and it wasn't about status and and being cool. But that's all. That's all I was gonna say about it. Aside from that, it was cheesy, but <laughs> I'm glad I gave, I'm glad you reminded me of that because that was something I definitely would have not been happy about leaving out because seriously, <laughs> GTFOH. All right, y'all. <laughs> We're gonna head out. We love you the tens and tens of listeners. We love y'all, and we will talk to you later. Stay safe. Love you guys.